Hey everyone, in the season finale of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we're going to talk about my favorite person. Of all, like currently, all time living, um, historical? Um, no, Winchester. Okay. My favorite Winchester person. Because <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty big favorite person. Yeah, it, like I, I said it and it didn't sit well with me because like I really do like this person, but yeah, probably not my favorite person. Maybe that should I'll be honest, I would have been hurt a little. Like, What's that? I, I don't need to be top on the list, but if I had been like below a this dead guy, guy that would have <laughs> hurt. <laughs> I mean, you could be below a dead guy that was like related to me that I loved or something. I guess that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> below a dead guy that would have been over like a hundred and 50 if he was still living <laughs> that's where danny sits on my favorite people list <laughs> below a civil war veteran cool 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 cool. he was a civil war veteran you are correct see you know something about that was person. my segue for you all right well danny do you want to tell everyone who we're talking about so today we are talking about thomas bennett uh bennett um, was a really important figure in the history of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Uh, he is one of the presidents following um, Oliver Winchester, and then he's involved in the company at several different levels. Oh, you looked at me like I was saying something wrong. Um, uh, no, he's involved I, in the company he did, at several Yes, sorry. <laughs> he does a bunch of different stuff he for the company. He did follow Oliver Winchester, but he followed William, he like directly followed William Wirt Winchester. Thank you. Uh, sees how much I know about this really old dead guy. Um, so he's he's involved with the company. He's there for a really long stretch of the company's history, like that really pivotal late 1800s, early 1900s. So all the things that we think of as sort of that time frame with Winchester, to some degree, Bennett is around for it. So really interesting guy and apparently Ashley's favorite person of all time with zero qualifiers. And... Yeah, a really cool dude. And he, as I mentioned, he was a Civil War veteran. He was actually a officer in one of the regiments of um, African-American soldiers raised during the war. Uh, so his interesting story goes way, way back, um, all the way before the Civil War. Well, and what's cool about Bennett is I feel like there's a lot of facets to his life. So he was a Civil War veteran. He was actually a first lieutenant over an African-American regiment during the war. But then he was also a college wrestler. He graduated from Yale. Uh, so he was a big ass dude. <laughs> and <laughs> do we did he... do is like was do we know his height? Was he like big for his day or like legitimately like modern? Day uh, shoot, I don't have it in my notes how tall he was, but he was he was actually big. Like he was actually a very large man. It wasn't like he was like five eight and everybody that would live back then was five four. So he was tall. Is that actually accurate though? Were people really was. shorter? I always feel like mm, you know what? I'm catching myself and I'm not I'm not going on this tangent. Um so we've got college wrestler, civil war veteran, and then man that builds and destroys Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> That escalates so quickly. And also, did he get his job via nepotism? Ooh. Which, because he married into the family and then 
builds and destroys Winchester. It was an inside job. It was an inside job. <laughs> it's hard because because let's. I'm going to Tarantino this where we tell you the ending and then we'll we'll go back and explain it. Yeah, it's an inside job because he marries uh, Hannah Jane Winchester, which is Oliver Winchester's uh, daughter, and uh, her name. They get, she went by Jenny. Everybody like they were like super in love, but he marries her. They have Winchester Bennett, which just like, of course, you had to stick that in there somewhere. Winchester Bennett becomes a train wreck. And that's how ultimately Winchester is destroyed. And so heretofore, therefore, Thomas Bennett was responsible for its rise and decline. So we can make the claim, first of all, here today on the podcast that Thomas Bennett actually hated Winchester Married into the family with the sole mission of eventually destroying the company. The, the, sole, the sole mission to basically go into a company, procreate, and ruin the company. He had to, you know, he had to get that bloodline. Right, right. That bloodline right. going. So this is some real, him. like, Game of Thrones level stuff right here. This is really fucked up. Actually, we're we're taking this to a place that we probably you know because you want to know what? I'm going to stop because while we think we're really funny, actually th- the story of Thomas Bennett makes me incredibly sad. Well, and it deserves a better telling than our just memeing it. But so memeing now that we've it. told is everybody, that like, is that what you call now our random riffing is just memeing it? <laughs> it felt it felt right, so I went with it. Um, um, do you want me to give a little a little bit a little? Yeah, let's go back like, to the actual story. So we've told the ending, and now you can you can yeah. keep the Tarantino process going, um, and and get back to the beginning and and telling the story. Okay, so I mean, I, I made the joke. Was it nepotism that got him his job? And actually, he started working for Winchester as an apprentice engineer in 1870. So before he knew Jenny, married Jenny. So I mean, maybe his promotion was, but you know, he got that job all on his own, and um, he met Jenny. I want to say it was like, I don't have it in my notes, but I want to say it was like, um, like a company picnic or something. Uh, <laughs> I, I really think that is how they met. Well, and that's um, still when the company is really small. Cause like, that's even before if, when, if he starts in 1870, that's before like they actually make their first big break as a company with the various South American contracts and the big Ottoman contract that like kind of floats the company for most of the decade. So he, you know, the, Winchester as a company is like four years old when he joins it. So he's there in the startup days, let's say. He's still cleaning up after, you know, Benjamin Tyler Henry. Yeah, that's right. He, he you heard it here. He actually took his office. <laughs> you heard it. He stole, he kicked him out. He moved all his stuff out and kicked him out. Yes. So five years too late. <laughs> um, but okay, so you mentioned Turkey. And I don't know if you were queuing this up, but that was actually um, when he started rising in the ranks um, at Winchester, he was kind of their international guy. And um, he was actively involved in bringing Winchester to Turkey. Like that was his stick. Like the Ottoman relationship really was fueled and maintained and driven by Thomas Bennett. Yeah. And in those that early history of Winchester isn't because we've come to associate it only with the American West, like so commonly in pop culture that we forget about all these stories that really get the company off the ground are really reliant on some of these foreign contracts. Um, oh, there's the, there's the famous story of, I, I'm blanking on the guy's name right when I needed it. Um, but the guy that went to Mexico um, and like, did like the stagecoach ride back uh, Addis, Colonel Addis. Um 
he goes to Mexico and that's a big order, like really early on. And he has to like, he takes possession of the gold and like drives the story goes that he drives then for like three days and nights to get back to the U S border and get to some place where he can then like deposit the gold safely rather than risk it being stolen while he's still in Mexico. Um, there's Bennett going to Turkey and securing those big contracts for Winchester, which was a lot of, um, 66 rifles and carbines, but also a ton of ammunition. Um, and actually I think if I have my details straight, it also included ammunition for, um, the Martini Henry's that the Turkish had bought. So like Winchester sells them a bunch of guns, but they're also supplying Turkey with a, a large amount of ammunition. And those kind of deals are what really is sub- securing the financial stability of these companies. Cause at this point, you know, in 1870, when he joins the company, Winchester is not that far removed from the multiple iterations of like volcanic and new Haven. You know, these companies have really struggled along the way and Winchester is still in that place in those early years. And these foreign orders do a lot to, to move it past that. Well, yeah. And I, I, I feel like we've talked a lot about the fact that Winchester is not just the West, the American West, but yeah. I feel like maybe, Maybe this is the season premiere of the next, you know, season, because I do think we need to talk a little bit more about like Turkey and Russia and all Mm -hmm. the different countries that they impacted. And then it was kind of the guy for this. Uh, What's interesting, though, is that like, you know, while he's off making a global name for Winchester, um, (laughs) he does not like it. And this is my favorite part of Bennett's story, which is that he didn't like being away from his wife and children. Yeah, and he's like a, he loved them. He he's just actually like a, loved them. He's like a head over heels in love, like homebody, and he wants to not be on the road, and he wants to just be in New Haven with his family. And he's dirty. <laughs> 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 so, like, he would write these like love letters to his wife while he was away, and like, I I have a quote. Um, uh, so one of his first love letters, um, you know, he, he always called her my dear girl. Um, and, you know, his first love letter, he says, the first love letter that I've ever wrote, because, you know, English. So you must not despair because there's not much love in it. Uh, but then he gets really good. And in one instance, I think he's in France and he buys her this dress and then he mails the dress and he writes a letter that literally says, quote, wouldn't I like to see you in it or indeed out of it, my dear girl, end quote. Uh, I I would like to call HR now. (laughs) You don't work for me anymore. (laughs) But I just love it. I guess he like, there was a steep learning curve there. Yeah, it's like the love letter to like take off this dress I bought you. (laughs) It's the 1870s equivalent of sexting. It's uh, like, I just love it. And this is like, I wrote one of these quotes down. There are so many, like they just like, they were so, they were so ridiculous. And I love it. Cause like, you know, it's hard hard. when you think about like relationships in general, you're always kind of like, does this person actually like the, you know, their significant other. And uh, then you go back in history and you're like, well, however would we really know if they actually cared about their significant other, if it was a power play or there was like a hundred goats involved. Like, I don't know uh, for a dowry, not anything else. For the record, Uh, we, we do not know how many goats were exchanged between (laughs) Oliver Winchester and Thomas Bennett for Jenny. Exactly. That is not a, established historical fact uh but you know when you've got stuff like this you're like all right all right these people they know what's up 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and it's really interesting that the archives survived because a lot of times in history, like these personal letters between like, um, you know, like famous figures and their spouses are often either kept very tightly controlled by the family or even destroyed. Like kid gets some finds out, Hey, this is kind of dirty. And this guy's kind of famous and I don't want people thinking the wrong thing. So we're just going to toss these. Like that's happened a bunch in history. I feel like you're giving it too much credit. I feel like it's a relative dies. They don't read the letters. They're like, who wants this crap? And they throw it out. Yeah, that's probably true. But I think there's at least a few instances where people are like, this is way too personal. We're never letting this get out. I am aware of one right now that I'm involved in that you you know i can't say but you know what what a tease i know but you are correct because there is currently something i am aware of well moving on from that (laughs) the the nice one is that the family actually saved these they actually put them in an archive where researchers could access them and like he writes in these letters and it's pretty explicit for his day and age and it's very clear like that he had this really you know, strong like relationship with his wife and his family. And he just wanted to spend time with them and not be in Turkey. And Turkey. Um, and so the, the irony is that what ultimately keeps him away from his wife and his old age is their child. <laughs> that is actually, that's quite ironic. Um, yeah. Is that ironic or is it a coincidence? I never know. Kyle is. We'll just say it's ironic. If Alanis Morissette says it's so <laughs> and she can it, be wrong, we'll, then we'll, we'll say it's ironic it. and our listeners can write us and tell us how terrible we are at English. conceptualizing the English language. Um, um, but yeah, so Bennett um, and Jenny, they have a son named Winchester Bennett. And we feel like, okay. Do you think, Danny, that people who are familiar with Winchester history, but maybe not like the super in-depth stuff that we know, do you think they even know who Winchester Bennett is? No, I, I think he's too far down in the weeds for if you know Winchester. I think even among like pretty diehard Winchester collectors, Winchester Bennett is not that well known. I mean, I guess between a lot of like people that just know Winchester, they probably don't know Thomas Bennett either. Yeah, so, I think a lot of people, they know Winchester and they kind of know the guns, but the details of the president, like the company president succession, aren't really that important to why a lot of people get into studying Winchester. So I would say that probably not even Thomas, if anybody besides Oliver is known, it's Bennett. Beyond that, I don't think most of these figures are that well known. And Bennett should be known because Bennett, I random tangent of something we didn't talk about before we get back into his son. But, uh, you know, Bennett was an engineer. I mean, he had patents out, you know, in Mm -hmm. his name for Winchester. So he wasn't just a businessman. Like he knew guns. I would say better than Oliver Winchester knew guns. Yeah. Uh, Um, That's probably true. I I would agree with you there. Although I think that it's not because Oliver Winchester didn't know guns as I often portrayed that Oliver was just sort of this like callous businessman and he just saw an opportunity to make money. And so, that was the next business he invested in. I think there was more to it than that. I think Oliver Winchester also understood his product and cared about his product. However, I would think you're right that Bennett, even more so than Oliver, understood the engineering behind the guns. Yeah. And so, and of course, we we need to say this before we move on to the destruction. I mean, Bennett found Browning. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then it yeah also how have we not talked about that part? Fired, like, that's Brownie. probably the... <laughs> We totally got off topic. Sorry. I was like so engaged in the like fit familial relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. that I forgot anything of importance outside of Turkey. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Bennett and Browning, and then we'll get back to Winchester Bennett and how he's the worst product. Like he is the child that was like the twice removed from, you know, rich parents, you know, like what happens when your parents are rich, the child that ultimately goes to shit. That is Winchester Bennett. But Brown. Before that, Bennett is, he is the one credited with discovering John Moses Browning from Ogden and working that initial relationship. And probably to some degree with his engineering background, being the one to recognize that the Browning brothers and the Browning family have a really viable product that Winchester needs. Cause by the mid 1880s, the newest design that Winchester has on the market is, you know, closing in on a decade old with the 1876 and 1876 didn't really fill the niche they had hoped for in a, like a solid big game rifle. And so Winchester finds out about Browning and then recognizes this is a really good product. And this is the one we need to fill that market segment that we're getting beat on by Sharps and other companies. And so he's the one that, that recognizes that and builds that relationship with Browning and brings in the 85 and the 86 and ultimately all the successive guns that are because of Browning. Um, and yeah, that's that credit is in large part Bennett recognizing the, the quality of the product that the Browning's had. Well, and I would hazard to say that Bennett saved the company initially. I mean, with his business decisions, I mean, they were kind of like Winchester before it was Winchester and early Winchester. I mean, they were kind of like struggling financially. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, and maybe I'm just too much of a fangirl, but I feel like a lot of his business decisions were very smart um, mm-hmm. for the Winchester company. And that's why I find his story so tragic, because I do think um, personally, I think Thomas Bennett plays a much bigger role in Winchester and the history of Winchester than Oliver Winchester does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he outlives him. <laughs> so, but, you know, we don't, you know, and so it is, you know, this Browning relationship, but then the question is, does he have too much of an ego because he's also, he finds Browning, he works out a very smart business deal uh, from Winchester's perspective. And then he does not get along with Browning. I think like personality wise, I don't think they ever really get along. Um, I was reading some archives recently. I think that they just, they, they were not friends. They were business people. Yeah. From the, from the snippets you get, it's, it's never portrayed as like a, like a, it's like, it's never friends, right? Like they never meshed over these deals. It was very much a, like these business deals. And then it all comes to a head. Of course, you know, they, they get the 85 and the 86 and those are successful. They turn that into the 92 and the 94, the 93, 97, and those guns all become quickly successful. And then it all comes to a head with Browning wanting to keep going back to this semi-auto design and the, the shotgun design that becomes a five. And um, for the longest time, the story was portrayed that they broke down over the royalty agreement which was the initial way that bennett had set up the the business deal that ashley mentioned so the way that bennett set up that relationship was that browning winchester paid browning sort of a a lump sum for the design and the rights to the design so here's a new gun i just knocked out my shop 
Winchester is going to buy it, whether they make it or not. And we have examples of ones that they bought from Browning and didn't make. Um, but Winchester will just buy the designs and we get first dibs and come to us, we'll pay you money. And Winchester sort of paid all these lump sums to keep the Browning brothers working for them. Um, and then by the late 1890s, when the A5 is being worked out, what's been often portrayed is that Browning insisted on royalties this time around, and they couldn't come to an agreement on that. But what recent research has shown is that really they did they did manage to work out a royalty agreement. Um, and so Bennett moved past it on that, but that Bennett and others at Winchester didn't trust the design of the gun. And that's when it all comes to a head. And Bennett kind of is then he's responsible for finding Browning, but he also kind of bears a responsibility for turning Breaking Browning up. away. They broke up. The breakup. It was a relationship and it broke up. Do, do you think that's a fair assessment of that relationship or do? I think so. No, I think that that's uh, is at the beginning of poor decisions by Thomas Bennett is at the beginning of it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so then, of course, Browning, they break up. The Browning brothers leave um, Winchester. And then there's that famous letter that we always talk about, the, the sour grapes letter, where they sort of write and they're like, well, we'll be fine. We have this guy named Thomas Johnson and all these other people. And we want you to know that we're just going to be fine. And we're fine. I like we're him. Totally He's got fine. the same first name as me. Yeah, we're fine. We're all fine. It's this is fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, well, and that all happens at the, the sour grapes letters like 1902 or 1903. Yeah, like I think that. it's 02. I think 02. Um, and so, you know, one thing with Bennett is we, we mentioned, you know, he loves his wife. He doesn't want to travel. He also has some health problems. Um, and so he wants to retire like in 1910. Like he's got this plan for like all he wants to do. He's building this house with his wife and he wants to retire and like basically just spend, you know, his the rest of his days uh, with his wife. Um, but this is where the monkey ranch comes in. And that's his son, Winchester Bennett um, and Winchester Bennett was the first was ultimately the first vice president of Winchester. He did, you know, ultimately he was running Winchester kind of. I mean, he was, um, for, <laughs> but, um, he was, uh, I have in my notes, I wrote down sickly and had anxiety issues. <laughs> that is for the record. That is the exact bullet point on the notes that we've shared in, in our deep pre preparation for this podcast. So I don't know if I, if that's what I distilled or if I took that as a direct quote from somebody else. Um, but, but this is actually kind of interesting because we talk about Bennett, you know, maybe not meshing with Browning, but like, you know, a lot of it when I, when I've read, you know, some of the different books is that like, you know, Thomas Bennett's a badass, right? Like he is, you know, smart. He's a good businessman, you know, and he's got a lot of stuff going for him. And sometimes when you have people who like that, they make their kids stressed out <laughs> because they want the kids want to be just like yeah. them, you know. But I also do sometimes think it's like rich kid syndrome where like um, you see this sometimes with gun companies today. And I'm sure it's not just gun companies, but uh, where like you'll have the guy who created the company. So Oliver Winchester and then, you know, Oliver's daughter and, you know, Thomas Bennett. And they're like awesome and they run the company super well and, you know, do all this stuff. But then why is it always the next kid? 
then yeah. I can't say which companies I'm thinking of right now, but the, but there are several. It's always the next kid <laughs> where something goes wrong. And and I will say um, one of the this is a, a story of somewhere where this is not the case. Um, but, you know, there is a company that is a donor to Cody where that next kid is incredibly successful. And that next kid was the one who told me, uh, you know, kind of explain that to me, which is where like, you know, so you have. Uh, an ancestor in the family who has this really great idea and creates this business. And then their kid, you know, learns from them and learns what works and what doesn't work and knows how to run it. But then when you start getting twice, three times removed, they don't know how it got to be successful because they weren't there for it. Mm -hmm. And so then they do everything they can to just maintain, to survive because they may or may not. And some people do have the, like, you know, the, the, inspiration to be able to kind of figure it out. But a lot of times you inherit this thing and you're like, oh, I don't, I wasn't alive. I don't know how it got, you know, how we got here and I'm just trying to stay afloat. And that kind of sounds like Winchester Bennett, right? Right. And yeah, I mean, cause Thomas Bennett, he's there for like, he's there in the lean times of the company's founding. Like he's there in 1870. He's, he's, he sees that firsthand and then he takes those lessons and applies it when he's in charge of the company. And by the time that it's, time to hand over the reins of the company to Winchester Bennett, his son, you know, that's in that era when we're talking at this point, now the Winchester family, family, you know, not that they were ever that poorly off, even going back to the 1870s, but by you get, by the time you get to the turn of the century, we're talking, the company is well-established and very successful. And the, and the family is like fabulously wealthy at that point. Um, you know, this is when you start to get the stories about like Sarah Winchester's wealth, you know, that's in that time frame. The, and their just, money is not just tied up in guns. Like they're smart. Right. right. Like <laughs> they have what w is almost, you know, hard to fathom amounts of money. And, you know, it would be a lot of money today. It was crazy money back then. So the family has a lot of money by the time Winchester Bennett is taking over. And of course, as you mentioned, he's not there for those like formative years of the company. So he, probably you know i'm sure his dad would have imparted some like hey this is what it took but him telling him is different from thomas bennett having lived it um and yeah and then he takes over the company and maybe could have done a better job had it not been for a big event that happens really early in his tenure which is world war one world war one so yeah like because <laughs> uh when does he take over he takes over what in uh, Bennett wants to retire in 10. 10. So yeah, it's around that because Bennett agrees to stay. Thomas Bennett agrees to stay on as a consulting director. Um, yeah. And he never really totally like pushes control. Maybe that was uh, part of it. Maybe that was like the meddling that led to even more anxiety for this is my, you, using the listeners screens. can't see it, but I'm doing a very, very, very accurate nice. meddling motion. Uh, well, and I, if I remember correctly and I don't have it in my notes, but if I remember correctly, like basically Bennett does like kind of step back and like he's helping, but he's not a hundred percent there, but then he has to come back because yeah, the, uh, well, we've talked about this before world war one. I, <laughs> I think it's one of the most fascinating in terms of Winchester development, mm -hmm. um, like the firearms technology, the ammunition, all of that. Like, I think it's the most fascinating, but it does not, it's not great. Yeah, from a business perspective, that's a super stressful time. And, you know, that sounds a little bit ludicrous to say because, like, you know, millions of people are fighting and dying in the trenches of France. But for if we just isolate it down to like what's going on at the company in that moment, 
you know, that's gotta be a super stressful time because they have all these contracts that are flying in. They're trying to like ramp up the capacity of the factory, build on additions. The contracts very quickly start going south. There's all these problems that arise. And um you and know, you have, have someone with anxiety. Right. And then running you know, the company. It's easy to see how this could get overwhelming really quickly because the British are mad at them constantly. They don't get along with the Russian inspectors. The deliveries are all late. They have a bunch of labor problems. They can't get their contractors to send them the raw materials. Like it's just every problem that could happen at once happens in 14 and 15 to the company. And, it's and just, then it's all right there. It is Ben. It is Winchester Bennett. Sorry. Now I'm just like, hmm, you figure out which one I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> We're just going to say the word Winchester and you have to guess Oliver, Thomas, or. Well, Winchester. Thomas doesn't have Winchester in it. Fine. <laughs> um, you know, so Ben Winchester Bennett was like kind of the guy that was like, let's make roller skates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of fits, right? It's like, all right. Um, well, that was really terrible. Um, roller skates. <laughs> It's like cool. the prestige worldwide of like <laughs> ideas. Really is. I've never quite <laughs> thought about it like that. But yeah, you like like he goes through this like trial of World War One and everything's chaos. And then they get out of it and they're like, he's like, Dad, I want to sell fishing equipment. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of the, the scene in Monty Python where the kid is just like, I just want to sing. And his dad like keeps cutting off the camera and the music like that. <laughs> I just want to make roller skates. <laughs> It's so like it is. I mean, it's really sad actually now because now I'm thinking about like someone who might be mentally unwell and I'm trying to do something and the key's like, Dad, no. Okay, I just made it really sad. <laughs> and who knows? We could be layering on all sorts of expectations. I, I, we're putting a lot on it. Did not exist, but yeah, he's maybe he was just a real dick. We don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't have any letters from him that I've read. I'm sure there are letters from him, but I have not read them. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so he's really trying to spirit me. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, they're all kind of scrambling because there's no freaking money. And like the banks are closing in and the banks are, you know, very, they get very involved in Winchester business matters um, to the point where I'm pretty sure like right when Bennett, Thomas Bennett and Jenny sign over their stuff, like it, you know, it completely belongs mm -hmm. to the bank and that's the nail in the coffin. Um, but yeah, so he, so Thomas Bennett comes back on board with the company when he's 80 years old. And oh, I forgot about this. The irony of like he was the uh, foreign affairs guy, but he actually really didn't want to do business with the government. Like when World War War World War One was going on, and, and Winchester Bennett was like working on this, like he didn't really want to be involved. But then he was like, mm, "Well, here we are." So like yeah. he was like he tries to make it work, but and he's kind of proven right. Like the the government then proves him right because in 1919, as they settle out all these contracts, like the army, and the ordnance department are like. Yeah, we told you where you, you were going to make a bunch of money off of this. We'll pay you 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And you'll be happy to take it and you have no recourse. Yeah, it's I mean, so he's not wrong. He continues to be right, but he does work with his son and tries to help as much as possible. And then it starts to get real sad. And then I'm I sorry, I thought there was a, like a, another thing coming up. Oh, there is. I was just giving a dramatic pause. Oh, sorry. So like, you know, they're like, basically Bennett has to come back and like save the company, but it, he can't. I mean, it's too late. Um, And so I think the saddest thing is actually, no, there's like this whole thing is sad. I'm just going to get through it and try not to cry. <laughs> I did another podcast where I talked about his life and I cried. 
so his wife, Jenny, has to sa- sign over her shares to the um, at, before she dies. So like she gives away her stuff so that they can stay in, you know, in some type of functioning business operation. Um, and like this, the, the thing that's really sad about this is that, you know, I mentioned that he, all he wanted to do is be with his wife. So like all Bennett wanted to do was spend his final years with his wife. And instead he had, here it is. I'm going to cry. Instead, she has to sign over all her stuff. She dies and he has to come back and watch the company he built fall. I wrote that in my notes. Oof. Yeah. And his wife dies and he is alone for this. So his wife dies before the company fully falls. Um, And then, you know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of my notes are coming from Laura Trevelyan's book Mm -hmm. um, on Winchester. Laura is a BBC news anchor, but she's actually a Bennett, like multiple times removed. And she wrote a book, which is actually pretty good um, on Winchester. There's some fascinating stories about Sarah and other, you know, components of Winchester history. Um, And she really, that's how we know a lot um, because she went and researched all these personal stories about these people. But we did a Facebook live with her. I don't know if you remember, Danny. Ages ago. Where we, I remember this very distinctly because um, clearly I hadn't read the end, like the end of the book, uh, you know, because you know, like things, but you know, like when you know your Winchester history, but you don't necessarily know your Winchester Bennett and your Thomas Bennett and, you know, kind of the tragedy that, you know, comes with Winchester and being the Cody Farms Museum, which used to be the Winchester Arms Collection, but was the Winchester Arms Museum built from the Olin Foundation. Like John Olin's kind of like a hero to us, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, <laughs> we and we made that comment and I remember, and like, we can go back and watch the video. She was just kind of like uncomfortable because Olin, so Olin does start circling and he knows this whole thing is going to fall apart. And he purposefully watches, which like, I'm not hating on like a solid business move, but like from an emotional human standpoint, um, you know, Olin basically waits for Winchester to totally kick the bucket and then pay a lot less money for it than when he was first interested in it. So Olin does come into the game earlier when they could have, he could have provided more money, but instead he was watch them circle the drain until it was past the point of no return. And then he came in. So it was an interesting perspective of hearing someone from the Bennett family see Olin is not the savior of Winchester, but actually the one who let it die. And then, you know, rebranded. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, I forgot that story actually. And for those, I think her book is what it's just the name of the title of her book is just Winchester, right? If people would like to read sort of the human side of the company. Um, it's a it's a worthwhile read. It's yeah, it's called Winchester, but there's like a subtitle, obviously. Yeah. But it, Laura Trevelyan, have fun spelling that. Yeah. Um, Good luck. T R E V E L Y A N. You're that'll get you close enough. Now, um, then the Google so, machine can sort out what you're looking for. <laughs> so then here's the well, here's the like timeline of the end of it so his wife dies he has his 50 year anniversary with the company and they call it bennett day but it's crazy like imagine you are so (laughs) instrumental to a company that they have a 50 year anniversary they don't name it after the founder they name it after you i wonder if they continued bennett day when john olin took over (laughs) did did olin make them change the name was it yeah (laughs) is he the columbus who is olin the columbus (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Well, and there's actually that's it's that really was a horrible reference. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I was using it not in like a like a you know subjugation way, but like in a those who you know win. History is written by the winners. That was what I was trying to go. <laughs> that's the <laughs> reference. Disagree with the statement, but moving on. <laughs> oh yes, we disagree with the statement, but that's what I was. That's what I was moving. going for when I said that, and then I realized yeah, yeah, there was just yeah. so much more gun like connotation in there that I anticipated. Anywho, anywho, which is important because at the time there's a there's actually quite a few 50 year employees. Like that was a com not a common thing, but that was celebrated at the company. They had other 50 year employees that had been at the company almost as long as Bennett, or in some cases longer. Um, there's like Daniel, uh, Veter or Vetter. He writes a history of the company. Um, oh, yeah. but he's, he had been around since the early days. So it wasn't uncommon for Winchester to have these really long-term employees, but Bennett is so instrumental to the company that they, they named the celebration of all this history after him. But also like the funny thing is that he didn't even want to be there. Like, yeah, he's like, they, they have tired. a cake, they, they bring the cake out. There's a big sword. They're going to cut the cake, you know, like good reference, good reference. Yeah. You know, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Half a century before it actually happens. Um, you know, they wheel it out and he's like that kid that doesn't want to be at the party with a hat on, you know, <laughs> just like, <"Mur." laughs> but, um, so, so he's there for uh, 50 years. He resigns in 1924. Uh, he was, sorry, he resigns from the board in 1924. Um, and then this is, you know, kind of like you, you hear the Annie Oakley story about Frank Butler, um, you know, died. Then Annie Oakley died. Um, he dies at the age of 86 on August, uh, in August of 1930. And that's six months before the company goes into receivership. Yeah. And then they're bought like after they go into receivership, it's like what a year before Probably. Olin buys 31. Yeah. yeah. Well, six months. Cause yeah, it'd be August six months. Yeah. 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 So it'd be 31 and then they're in receivership for a bit and then Olin buys them. And yeah, like it's, it's he, like, yeah. The company he was barely like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, thanks, Winchester, Bennett. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess it's kind of good that he didn't see the official end of it. Like maybe like he, this thing he worked on for all of his life is about to meet is like, that's the end of it. I don't know if it's better if he died before the official end or if he knew it was coming. And I think it was probably irrelevant because it was yeah. coming. Yeah. Almost like I feel like if he was still around and like healthy, that like he would have he would have figured it out. He would have been like he would have become like besties with John Olin and they are you, you writing know, the happily ever after version of this? Yeah, <laughs> they, sad story. They they became best friends and you know took Winchester into a new age um uh, with Edwin Pugsley. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Great ending. Great, great ending to this TV series. <laughs> I'm rewriting it because it is. I mean, like, I know we're pretty irreverent people, but that'd be you and me, Danny. But like, <laughs> honestly, this story does make me so sad, you know, but it's yeah. such a cool, I don't know. It's so cool to be able to one, tell a history of someone that isn't really well known, but totally should be. But then also to be like, and also he was a human with like emotions and yeah. Yeah. cool hobbies and you know like just all of this like added social history that i feel like we don't get a lot in yeah, general whenever you hear or read an account of something 
Yeah, because everything else about like all these Winchester histories, almost all focus, uh, not so much with all he gets Oliver Winchester gets a little bit of the personal treatment sometimes, but most everybody else involved with the company. It's just what did they do at Winchester? It's not much about their personal life, whereas Bennett, there's a lot more about his personal life. And <laughs> Bennett did a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, like Oliver is really Oliver's there for the founding of the company. But then, you know he's relatively old by that point. And so he's not there. He's, he's there for the early years of the company. Somebody like Pugsley is there for once the company is well-established. And I think that's even true for somebody like TC Johnson, by, by the time they show up in the company they're it's established. Bennett is there for like the whole crossover of that. He's there from the early days of the company to when it's been well-established and to when it meets its, you know, business end, even though it gets picked it back up. But He's there in some ways in a more got picked up by Netflix. <laughs> right, right. It's not on cable anymore. But... Not on cable anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, he he's there for almost a more interesting period than even Winchester himself, um, which is fascinating about Bennett to me. And as a random aside, Jenny and uh, Sarah were friends. Yeah, that's a. Uh, there's a whole Bennett. Yeah, the Bennetts and Sarah Winchester were like friends. Did, was it Bennett that went to to Sarah to get her shares? Because they, they asked, like, that was one of their Hail Marys was to, like, ask Sarah for her shares of the company. Yeah, um, I think he went to, I think he actually went to see her. I know that I can't remember if that, like, did he physically go or not? I can't remember if that actually I think happened he, or if it was just a request. I think he physically went. I don't know if they met, but he, like, attempted to go see her. I, I mean, I, she would have seen him, though, I would yeah. imagine. I mean, because like that's, um, you know, I've done stuff on Sarah before. And like the a lot of the things that like a lot of the things that dispel Sarah's, you know, the the story of Sarah being crazy and ghosts and stuff is because she was writing Jenny Bennett all the time. Like she was yeah. always writing Jenny and she never was like these ghosts, man. <laughs> like she was just like, man, there's a lot that has to happen when you do construction. You know, it's hella boring stories. But like, you know, so that's a cool thing, too, is that, you know, you've got like you don't just have Winch Oliver Winchester. You have these people who are real people, um, you know, communicating with other historical figures that seemingly well, we should assume that they're like closely linked because of the name. But like they seem they're never talked about together. That just set up the mental image for me of like we you know, we talk about Sarah Winchester. And we're like, oh, so you know, she's such an interesting char character. And we like telling her story. I wonder if Jenny was like, I am so sick of reading about her house. Oh, quit, you know, she was quit you know. writing me. I'm, I'm not even going to read this letter. She's like sitting there telling Thomas Ben, I'm not even going to read this one. I'm just going to write back and just ignore it. I'm so tired. Or, or, so she, or Bennett's traveling right, and yeah. she gets a letter and she's like, oh my God, my husband wrote me a dirty letter. And then she's like, ah, Sarah again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a letter today. I hope it's from Thomas. Ah, <laughs> we're putting uh, a lot on these people that may or may not have been true i know i know these people they're like looking down right now they're just like why like, just why stop. have we been subjected to this podcast? podcast why couldn't we have gotten billing on a better one i i talked about bennett and winchester on a better podcast <laughs> ow ow why I have notes because you you think I prepare for this podcast. <laughs> you only prepare for other people's podcasts, not ours. I prepare for podcasts that have four million listeners a week. <laughs> wow. What, going to go that 
Wow. Sorry, that was like all of our listeners are like, F you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the reason I prepare when there's a lot of people is so that I don't say something stupid because that's what I do. And on this podcast, I feel safe to say something stupid. And that we like sharing that. our authentic selves with this group of listeners. We have to put on the performance for everybody else. That is 100% the case. Oh, the season's over. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys liked listening to this season of History Unloaded and to this episode about T.G. Bennett. Um, Gray. What's that? Thomas Gray Bennett. We never said G. Oh, yeah. We never said what the G was. Thomas Gray Bennett. So hopefully you guys learned something and enjoyed listening to us. Uh, We'll be coming after this podcast. Ashley and I are going to go away and plan another season and actually make a list of episodes and notes and all kinds of good stuff. So We're not going to do that, Danny, but we, we will come back. Them. We have to tell them so that we, they think we're organized. They know we aren't. It is abundantly clear, but we will be back once Danny can send the checks to Camila and I. Down <laughs> to bribery. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.